It's Thursday, September 23rd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill with me today. First time in a while, Jim Gillies. Good to see you. Good to be seen, Chris. Thought you didn't love me anymore. <laughs> that will never happen. Uh, we have so, uh, we have some surprising news out of one part of the restaurant industry. We also have some sweeping management changes to discuss. But we are going to start with the stock of the day. Shares of BlackBerry up 13% after second quarter results were better than expected. No longer in the mobile phone business. BlackBerry is now all about cybersecurity, particularly in enterprise solutions. You tell me, the rise we're seeing today, is this real? Is this short covering? Is it both? Uh, well, I'm going to, I, full disclosure, I own a position in BlackBerry, but I can get to that in a bit. Um, I don't think this is look. The, BlackBerry has been what I like to call a waiting for Godot stock for years. And if you're familiar with the play Waiting for Godot, spoiler: Godot never comes. Okay, and that's kind of you know like BlackBerry has been the I, I will gladly play you pay you Wednesday for a hamburger today style company. It. Um, yeah, okay, revenue is better than expected. We've seen this movie before, okay? It was below what it was a year ago when we were in the teeth of the pandemic. Oh, you know, down by about a third. Um, oh, but wait, you know, last year, that was one time big bulge in the licensing revenue that they have. As you said, this is no longer a handset or mobile phone company. Thank goodness, hasn't been for years. Um, but, you know, they, they've kind of been flailing around, in my opinion. And again, I own it, so, you know, maybe I should question why. Um, they've kind of been flailing around, frankly, for years now. You know, they're kind of right now. The latest thing is, look at us. We're a cybersecurity company, and that's great. They bought Silence a couple of years back, which is the the backbone of their cybersecurity offering. Well, their cybersecurity revenue was basically flat year over year, and oh, and by the way, margins fell. Uh, that's fine. They can shift and say, well, look at us. We're an Internet of Things company. And yes, Internet of Things revenue was up about 30% or nearly 30% for the quarter, but it's still less than a quarter of total revenue. And, and that's total revenue sharply dropped because of the drop off in licensing year over year. Um, I do like that they produced positive free cash flow in the quarter, but it's less than they produced in the same quarter last year. It's just been the same thing over and over and over. Like I said, it's waiting for Godot. And, and I was a pretty big believer when John Chen was airdropped in as CEO. Uh, that's been eight years now. In his previous, um, in his previous uh, incarnation where he was dropped in to turn around a company, and he did, and it was a multi-bagger, I'm not sure it was actually eight years. It might have been eight or nine years total that that took around. And we just haven't seen it at BlackBerry um, since he's been there. He's taken home hundreds of millions of dollars in salary and performance stock issues. I'm not sure what performance means here. Uh, the company, it just still feels like it's a company. And it, it, it's, it's, a bit, it's a stock in search of a business is what I'm going to say. And so, uh, you know, good for them. I don't think it's sustainable or, you know, you're going to need to give me a couple more quarters at least uh, of show me like sustainable growth. We really didn't get that this quarter. Uh, as I said, I do own it personally, and uh, it's been kind of a plaything of the meme meme stock crowd uh, a little bit uh, in, in, during 2021. Uh, thank you, meme stock people, <laughs> by the way, uh, because that's allowed me to pull out the entirety of my, my investment in the form of covered call premiums. So I'm kind of playing with house money at this point. Um, but, you know, and I'm probably going to continue to do that. But I think if you're a long-term 
if you're a long-term believer in uh, BlackBerry, um, I think you've been disappointed to date, and I don't think your disappointment's going to you know, ebb anytime soon. Sorry to be so dour. So for people who are interested in the cybersecurity industry, BlackBerry shouldn't be at the top of their watch list? Well... It's not at the top of mine, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure that I'm the guy you want to talk to about cybersecurity. It's not at the top of mine, and I own it. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm I'm a big I'm a big believer in investments or, or or investments in people and investments in transition. I I like, and we're gonna we're gonna diverge to one of these in a bit. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of companies with hair on them where something has gone wrong. Uh, something has been problematic because people tend to, you know, it, it, they, they tend to, you know, uh, shoot, ready, aim kind of thing. They throw it over the side first and then they, you know, then they start wondering about it. So, you know, uh, BlackBerry, formerly known as Research in Motion, formerly known as the largest company in Canada. Uh, don't worry, it's nowhere near that today. Um, you know, it, 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 it got justifiably slaughtered about a decade ago, just over a decade ago, and it stayed there. And like I said, John Chen, I believe, was brought in in 2013 to turn this ship around and recast the business as a software and security business from the handset. And, you know, that was that was the genesis of my involvement with the company and my investment with the company. Uh, I will just say that as an owner, as an owned portfolio position has been, uh, as I said, disappointing. Uh, waiting for Godot. As a covered call candidate, it's been good verging on great when the meme stock crowd show up and, and, and juice the option premiums. But I mean, that you can't rely on that, frankly, and it has nothing to do with the business. As a business, this, this thing has been stuck in the mud for the better part of a decade. eHealth is a billion-dollar online health insurance marketplace, and I really hope they have moving boxes at their offices because under pressure from activist investors, eHealth announced a new chairman of the board, a new CEO, and basically a whole new management team. I've never heard of this company before today, Jim, and now I now that I've learned about it, I can't look away. This okay, so eHealth, I, I mentioned I like businesses with hair on them. This this thing's a Sasquatch. <laughs> okay. Like it it is eHealth, yeah, it's a, it's a health insurance marketplace, uh, the, a platform that connects people, mainly seniors, with you know the most high, the, the supposed highest quality, most affordable Medicare plans for their circumstances. Um, you can think of it as a broker. They're matching health insurance plans and customers. They got over 10,000 plans from over 180 different insurance companies, companies like Humana, Aetna, United Health Group, etc. Uh, and in return for brokerage services, it gets paid commissions by the insurer. Uh, per year, every year, the customers on the plan, and so the the problem has been that this thing has also been a cash furnace. Okay, so we we raise money to burn it, then we burn some more, but eventually we'll make it up on volume, and that has been the uh, the the premise that this the commissions. I believe I'm going from memory here, but I believe the commissions turn cash or turn a customer cash flow positive. I believe in the third year midway through the third year, uh, you know, that the, the commissions received from the, uh, from the, the big health insurance companies uh, over, overtake the, the cost of customer acquisition in about year, mid, midway through year three. But eHealth has just had its foot stamped on the gas, gathering more customers, so they've, they've been cash flow negative. 
and this has uh, gained a lot of short attention. Muddy Waters, who is a short seller that I pay a lot of attention to when, when they speak, I listen. Um, uh, they took, they did an epic takedown of this company at $150, I believe close to two years ago. The stock this morning is about $37, so you can see how well that worked out for Muddy Waters. But this also got the attention of a couple of activists, as you mentioned. It got Starbird Value and Hudson Executive Capital. They both basically came in hot last proxy season and then both agreed to, to stand down for a year in return for board representation, a couple of nominations, and so basically start getting their people on the board. So they've stood down for a year. Since they did that, the stock has fallen by half. So how enthusiastic do you think the Starbird value and the Hudson executive capital people are probably doing today. I imagine they are, uh, I, I imagine they've basically lined up the executives and said metaphorically who would like to be shot first. And so the, the former CFO bailed in the spring of 2021. Okay. They brought in, it's not just today's announcement, but in July of this year, there was a new director appointed associated with Starbird, specifically associated with a SPAC run by Starbird in search of a business, I'm not suggesting anything, but I find that interesting. Uh, in 2021, the company, or sorry, August 2021, they also brought in another new director. This person is someone associated with Echelon which is the head, the private equity group that basically lent them some very expensive preferred stock money earlier this year that was sharply criticized by the market, frankly, and it was, it's, it's a terrible deal, but the former, the now former CEO thought it was good to keep that, that growth thing down. Uh, they just last week, I believe appointed a new CFO coming over from Lincoln financial. And as of today, as you mentioned, Chris, the CEO is out as both CEO and chairman of the board. New guy coming in is a is a veteran. He's in his mid sixties, a veteran of CVS Health, a veteran of uh, Aetna, dealing with government services, um, longtime industry player. They've also appointed a new chair of the board, who is someone who's only been on the board since 2019. Again, as things are rotating on, so this is an activist train that is going in slow motion. But I've seen a few of these before, and these generally play out. Um, they play out. They play out well for investors, but you don't realize it until it happens. So the, the one I like to point to is a company called Bob Evans Farms. You might see of them their restaurants on the side of the. That was a that was a plaything of activists for a couple of years as they uh, kind of uh, went in, cleaned out the executive board, made the company do some capital allocation improvements that that resulted in some some positive steps, but no one was really noticing. And then they sold the restaurants to private equity, leaving only the food service business. And then this food service business got taken over by a larger food service business. So the two years that we had it in the service that I used to run called Pro Canada, uh, we basically doubled our money in two years, I think 85, 90%, so close to it. Um, but that all came at the end as all of the, and, and for, the, for the vast majority of the holding, we looked like idiots because why would you want to own this? Look at all this horrible stuff going on, blah, blah, blah. I think that's kind of playing out here with eHealth right now. But as you say, you can't look away. It's a train wreck. But, you know, if you are a fan of special situations investing, of turnaround investing, of activist-led house cleaning and business shifts and strategy shifts, boy, this looks interesting. Yeah, that's why I can't look away. Because yeah. a year from now, 
two years from now, it could be turned around, they could be acquired, or we'll look back on this time and say, oh, actually, it was a dumpster fire and no one could put it out. It, it is unequivocally a dumpster fire, yes. And so, but the, it, it, the, the, the game you're playing, if you're going to invest here, is can someone, as you say, put out the dumpster fire? There are a lot of smart people who have done a lot of dumpster firefighting in their, in their time lining up on this one. Um, and and uh, comparables in this space that have been taken private um, or acquired in the last couple of years have been acquired up multiples that would see this stock more than double. So, you know, if 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 the new people in charge can can slake that cash burn, and I'm I'm just betting uh, this is pure speculation on my part. I think the new guy is going to really emphasize working with governments and government plans that just that's just my hunch and if so you can probably address some of that cash burn because of just the sheer volume of customers and steady customers that you can get from government it's competitive industry i get that but that to me looks like he's gonna he's gonna shift the target market so um yeah i i i i'm i'm into this thing will be acquired in the next couple years camp but uh i think it's I think it's real interesting, like I said. We'll wrap up with restaurants. Shares of Darden up 6% and hitting a new all-time high today. Not surprising, maybe, when you consider first quarter profits came in higher than expected. They increased guidance for the full fiscal year. They declared a quarterly dividend and a share buyback program. And normally, I'm happy to talk about Olive Garden, but the surprising nugget in these results is that Darden owns the Capitol Grill and mm-hmm. average weekly sales in their fine dining segment is now higher than it was pre-pandemic. It is. Um, yeah, and, and the fine dining segment, same store sales for the quarter, um, is by far the highest same store sales number I've ever seen of any company ever, uh, of any restaurant company ever. 85% year over year, which which tells you no one was fine dining in the same quarter last year, sure. which, you know, which is fine. Um, but overall consolidated, it did 47 and a half percent. I mean, this is look, people want to eat out again. People have got their money saved up uh, for the last year. And, you know, as much fun as microwave burritos have been for 18 months, you know, people want to get out and have real food and, and, and treat themselves. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, uh, you know, a fine dining meal that costs you three or four hundred dollars. Oh, okay, it's one meal. That's a treat. And if you haven't been able to go on vacation for a year and a half, if you haven't been able to travel or you've been otherwise restricted, you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not terribly surprised that people are choosing to do that. I would love to do that. You know, in the near future, uh, as restaurants are, in this area are starting to reopen up with all the protocols. Um, and Darden is a company whose, who's, uh, as you say, the expectations are good. Uh, are, are they beat expectations and they've, they've raised their guidance and that's good. Uh, the cash flow dynamics of this business, uh, probably because of our friend Steve Broido and his affinity for Olive Garden, uh, the, ca- the, the cash flow dynamics of the business uh, look generally excellent. Uh, they very steadily free cash flow positive. Uh, superficially, at least, they've been doing the right thing with it, dividends and, and share buybacks. Uh, the company's got more cash than debt, so this is not exactly a leverage bomb or anything like that. I don't count operating leases as, as debt equivalent. I think that's a silly argument. Um, but so regular debt is they have the same amount as cash. 
where I have a problem with Darden is that the share count, they talk about buybacks, they talk about the new buyback program. They Over the past five years, they spent $1.4 billion buying back their stock, another $1.4 billion on dividends to, to folks. And the dividend yield today, 2.8%, nice middle-of-the-road dividend. The share count today, in spite of all those buybacks, is higher by about 6% than it was five years ago. And that is because management, in, I guess, a panic, or a pandemic panic, last year, sold 9 million shares into the market, half a billion, raising half a billion dollars in equity for $56 a stock, and they were buying it back at $143 in the quarter. So, you know, what's the old adage? I mean, the adage is, 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 is buy high, sell low, right? Oh, wait, that no. Is, that's backwards. They, and, didn't time, and, they didn't time it right. That's, that's for sure. Um, they didn't time it right. That is, the, you are far more charitable than I am. Uh, they, they undid any good they did for the previous near decade by that rushed equity. And again, more cash than debt. Cash flow dynamics are pretty good. I mean, like, I'm not sure why they rushed it. I'm sure there's all kinds of rationale they told themselves. Um, but unless you thought the pandemic was never ending and that we would never eat in restaurants again, you know, the, the cat, there are lots of companies that didn't raise cash that accelerated, uh, that accelerated their, their cash purchases in the, in the, in the worst of the pandemic. I've got a couple in mind that, you know, we actually saw them up their buybacks during that period of time. That's what you should have been doing. That's good capital allocation. Darden just panicked. And so I just, I, I look at Darden, and, and again, look, okay, so fine, they panicked, whatever. Um, but, you know, here, here we are today. They've got about just shy of $900 million in trailing free cash flow. The stock today is priced at about 22, 23 times that free cash flow. That's not cheap. It's not expensive. Um, you know, it's kind of middle of the road. The dividend yield, 2.8%. That's middle of the road. I think Darden probably, I mean, the, these tremendous same-store sales numbers, those are going to go away but we expect them to go away. Uh, and then they'll get back to kind of more routine. I, I think this is probably a market performer and that's fine as far as it goes. But if I want market performer, I'll just buy an index fund because I know I get market performance and much more diversified market performance. Um, you know, I just, I, I really don't like the capital allocation panic that I think I see here. And so that's great that you've announced another buyback program, but you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's going to terribly benefit me as a shareholder, and so I probably kind of go, eh, whatever. If I if I was an Olive Garden fan, maybe I'd own a little bit because uh, you know, so I could say I own my favorite restaurant. But other than that, I don't see a lot here. Well, it, it, it you raise a good point because you know. One of the things that's always tough to know about, the, the, the thing that is unknowable about new management teams is how good are these people at capital allocation? It's one of those things that reveals itself with time. And you know, to your point, they probably panic played some role in their decision a year ago to release those shares and sell them and you know to, to sell them low and buy them back at a higher price. And it's now a data point for shareholders and prospective shareholders because, absent that, you know, it's hard to argue with the performance of a stock that's hitting an all-time high. No, I mean, I, I I got no problem with the scoreboarding of it. Like, if if you if you were a buyer of Darden 
in the wake of the pandemic, the worst of the pandemic. Good for you. You've got a near four-bagger, depending where you bought it. Uh, things looked really bleak, uh, and, 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 and that's, you know, they, they looked bleaker than they were, I think is the point I'm trying to make. And because I, as I'm looking here, I've just got, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I've got, uh, I, I've got their numbers up here on my other screen. And, and as I look at what they did, you know, they, I think they had exactly one quarter yeah, they, they had exactly one quarter, and it's the quarter you think it is, the quarter uh, that it contained March 2020 when everything kind of fell off a cliff, uh, which was their fiscal fourth quarter, the quarter ending in May, May 31st, 2020. They had exactly one quarter of negative free cash flow. One. And it's a company that has more cash than debt, like I said. I promise you, I don't know who their bankers are. I promise you their bankers would have tossed them a lifeline promise because I and the reason I say that is because companies that have far less financial strength than this one far less companies that were in far more like the movie theater chains forget forget AMC okay we'll put AMC over there as the meme stock nonsense but you know movie chains where their business was shut down shuttered doors closed no tickets being sold no movies being released for the better part of a year those companies were able to raise debt financing, short-term debt financing, to weather them through the um, the contagion. The restaurant companies absolutely would have been. There's other restaurant companies out there. So I I I am I remain mystified as to why they panicked the way they did. And and the problem is that's going to impact shareholders going forward because you know. And, and again, record share price today. That's great, but the you know, I, I, if I had a time machine, I'd go back and buy Darden in the worst of it, and that, along with a few other restaurants. Who would I know? I, well, that's the, well, but I mean, like, that, that was the time to do it. But, you know, uh, much like the e-health thing, as we're talking about, the time to buy companies that look like they're about to die is, is when they're about to die, right? Like, and, and Darden was nowhere close to dying, but, you know, everyone was panicking in the world. That's the time to buy when everything looks terrible. And the hair on it, it's, 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 it's you, know, uh, you know, very apparent. Um, today, with everything going great guns and everybody's like, oh, it's all-time high. Oh, look at our tremendous results. We beat expectations. Record same-store sales. If I owned this, I'd probably be making a quick exit myself. I'd probably be happily selling my shares to, to Darden as they were buying back the stock higher than they, much they sold it at. So. Jim Gillies, great talking to you. Thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.